Father, thank you so much tonight. Lord, I just feel to just declare tonight that hearts are open in this place. I declare tonight that your presence is here to restore, to inspire, to encourage, to rebuild. Father, we are hungry tonight. I just confess and declare over this group that we are hungry tonight for your word. We are tired of the same old, same old. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's time, Lord. It's time tonight for us to open our hearts and receive the incorruptible seeds. So we just do. We Right now, we posture ourselves. We, we open our hearts. We open our ears. And we open our eyes spiritually to the things that you're doing tonight. God, your word is strong. It's a double-edged sword tonight. It cuts apart basically between what we think and what the truth is. And sometimes what we think is not the truth. Sometimes the way we perceive situations is not really the truth. They're just temporal situations that may be factual at the time, but they're not truth. And so tonight, Lord, we just invite the word of God to slice right through those things, to show us again how to feel, to re-inspire us to believe you for the things that you've told us to stand for. God, just quicken our hearts tonight to receive your word. We declare that we are fertile ground tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you're seated, just declare, I, I am fertile ground for the word of God. Tonight we're talking about posture. I, had, I really did have another word that I wanted to share because it was just kind of something I've been, you know, flowing through. But I really felt like, nope, this is what we're going to talk about tonight. And Lord, in, on Sunday in the service, began to give me this, he just said, talk about posture. Talk about posture. And I thought, that's really bizarre for me because usually if he if I feel like he's saying something it's usually resonating with something I've been kind of studying hi Deb good to have you here uh it's resonating with something that you know I've been I've been learning but this had nothing to do with anything and so between Sunday and now I've just been really praying about what that means about posture and uh, I feel like the the Lord has you know given me a word tonight about it but I feel like it's kind of a teaching word I feel like there was a movie and I don't know what it was but maybe some of you saw it and I think someone even talked about it in a service already and it was like a baseball movie and and they were things were not going right and so in the middle of the season they just decided to go back to basics the coach said in a very somber moment in the locker room you know tomorrow morning we're going to go back to the basics and everyone was just kind of like you know we're already we've already gone through spring training we've already gone through what we need to go why do we have to go back to the basics and uh, i love fresh revelation you know i love reading new books i love learning new things and yet every now and then it's like the lord just says hey hey you got to go back and kind of dust off some of these basics. And so tonight, I feel like what the Lord was showing me about posture is that just like in the natural realm, we have a posture that is comprised of the way that we carry ourselves. It starts with your attitude. It starts with your muscles and ligaments, your bones. It's, and, and, and we know that posture has implications for your health now, and posture also has a great deal to do with the future, about taking care of yourself and also just simply where you're going to go. <clears throat> and so I picked that silly uh, educational video tonight because it reminds me of some things. He said said to Jerry, he said, now, Jerry, you'd be taller if you stood taller. And I feel like on the inside of us is a lot bigger than we realize sometimes. I think sometimes we look in the mirror and, and we look in the mirror of our situations and we just feel like this. But when we get in our prayer closet, we begin to pray in the spirit. We begin to read the word. We begin to commune, you know, just commune with God. How many of you come out of that prayer closet and you're taller and you're bigger and you realize, you know what? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger and higher than any other. And we begin to kind of wrap ourselves around the truth of who he is. And it's, it's like our posture. It's like straightening. It's like they said, it's like someone pulling your hair back and standing up taller. But how many of you know when your posture is straight up, you breathe better, 
you have more energy? I mean, try it right now in your seats. Just kind of like, yeah, that's right, straighten up. Like, do you feel a change? Like all of a sudden, you, and not only do you feel differently, but all of a sudden you're assuming like you're getting more proactive. How many of you know there's a defensive kind of posture and there's a proactive posture? A kind of a stand forward and I'm ready to go. This has been a really busy week for us. And uh, it's a whole new season for our family with Allie's got a new job and, and we have one more in, in daycare now than we did. And, you know, all summer we've been really praying, God, where are the kids going to go and where are we going to go? And logistically, how many of you know with kids, it's all about logistics. How are we going to get from here to here and who's going to have the car seat and, what are we gonna, and all those things. And for the last couple of weeks, it's become more real and real that this is coming. And we have to have answers and we have to have a place for our kids and, and we have to have the money to do all these things that we're going to do. And, uh, and so it's just been one of those weeks where it's been really important to just stay in the word stay focused on what we're believing for. But what I found is, and I learned this a long time ago in my life, but I remember it's just, I remember it distinctly when I was in graduate school and graduate school was kind of like boot camp for me. It was just, it was a lot of work. It, it pressed me beyond the limits of what I've ever gone before. The ability to stay up for two days in a row and, and get things done. And, and, and what I found was there were times where if I kind of got busy and out of the word that I begin to kind of in my spirit kind of slouch. And I would just begin to kind of withdraw. And I would find myself not wanting to get up in the morning. I'm going to, you know, begin to oversleep a little bit. And I found myself going to bed earlier in the evenings because I was tired. And I just found myself kind of like, and the phone would ring. And my first thought was, oh, who's that going to, what are they going to need? And who's that going to, what did I forget? And I, and I began to just become very reactionary. And, I, and it just made me miserable. I mean, there was just a season in grad school where it was just all I could do to get out of bed and keep going at it. And maybe you've experienced that in your life. And what happens is you develop this posture that's just kind of like, oh, you're just kind of, you're just kind of bearing. You ever been there before? Yeah? No, okay. So it's like you just, and so, and so what I found was one day I was laying in bed and I just said, man, I feel miserable. And, and, and I was praying. And I felt like the Lord just showed me, you just got to take charge. I mean, seriously, man. I mean, he's like, you know, just, you really have to just get up and put your shoulders back and stick your chest out, put your head up, begin to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll be glad and rejoice in it. I was, you know, and, and just begin to speak the, you know, the promises of God in my life. And as I would do that, you know, you pray in the spirit and you confess the word, you thank God for the victory, you declare his praises, you begin to just feel taller. And then I've just found myself, you know what? I'm going to take today by the horns and I'm going to get things done. And it really, it sounds silly, like motivating yourself, you know, but it really made a difference. I mean, I would go into work and I was just, you know what? I dare you to throw me a problem that I can't solve with the Lord today, you know? And it was like, it was like changing my posture. But getting back to the natural posture, I want to read you just a couple of definitions. And that's what we've had to do this week. Just we, I just had to make a decision, and I know Allie has too. We just decided, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do this. I'm gonna, and I, for me personally, I had to say, God, I'm willing to just do whatever you want me to do. I'll be whatever anybody needs me to be. I'm just going to believe that there's enough time in the day to do what needs to be done. And, and it's made a tremendous difference. And, uh, and I just encourage you, man, just stir up your faith. Just get in the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit. Allow God to just breathe life. Are we, we were like the sick house for a week and a half. I don't know if you noticed, my wife wasn't here for three sets of services. They were, care ministry was going to send her a card and say, hey, we miss you. Come back to victory sometime. And, uh, and it was like, just, you know, she got sick with the flu and then the kids got it and God knew that someone had to stay healthy. So he let me stay healthy. And, and I just, man, and, and I took care of everyone and held the bucket for everybody. And it was, uh, wow, it was quite a week. And then about after day three, I was allowed to leave uh, for a little while. I was able to go to the grocery store and get some ginger ale. And I came back, and I opened the door, and it was like, poof, just kind of like, 
It was like hitting this wall of sick. And it was just, it was just like not fresh in the house. It didn't, it didn't really smell like anything in particular, just not fresh. And, and it was so hot we couldn't air the house out, you know, because it was like 200 degrees outside. And, uh, but then there came a night a couple of nights ago where all of a sudden it was like 70 degrees or something. It was amazing. We opened up every window and we turned on fans and I slept better than I've slept all summer long. And, and I'm telling you, when I woke up in the morning, it was like the house was fresh again. And you know, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. For real. You just, you got to open the windows. You know, we sing it, open the windows of heaven. That's something God wants to do, but he won't he won't bully himself on you. You know what I mean? You have to do it. You have to open the windows and say, God, I am ready for an outpouring of your spirit. And I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter what your context or situation is. If you open the windows of heaven, if you just be, you know, that's why I said we're declaring tonight that we are fertile ground. We are open to the word of God. When you do that, the Holy Spirit just right through. It just begins to air things out. Things are fresh again. Things are new again. You have new clarity, new perspective. The root word of posture in Latin is punere, and it means to put or place. Posture has this idea that you're, even though we tend to use the word posture like a noun, like someone's posture, the, the root word of it is really a verb, and it's to posture. It's to kind of put things into place. It's to make a decision and to actually instinctively put things in a place. Let me give you another definition. Um, it's to assume a character, to posture if you were to posture as someone, if you were going to imitate someone, you would, you would assume their character. How many of you know it would be a good thing to posture ourselves after Jesus and begin to assume his character and assume his perspective? Um, a, a definition for the noun version of posture is the position of the body, the situation or the disposition of the several parts of the body with respect to each other for a particular purpose. And, uh, and, and a posture can also be called an official position that you have. Maybe it's a political position on, a, on an event. It's a position that you have decided to take and declare. That becomes your posture on this issue. And tonight, what I believe like the Lord was showing me about posture was that just like in your body, your posture is not any one thing. It's, it's a bunch of things working together. It's muscles and it's bones. It's even your attitude because our attitude shapes the way we carry our bodies. And it's the position of our head and... And, and, and when you have a better posture, you breathe better. When you get more air and oxygen in your body, you know, you have more oxygen in your blood, and that supplies it to all your organs, and you just, your immune system's stronger, endorphins are released. You see, I mean, things can really change just because of posture. And posture is not something that we really talk about very often. In fact, if someone were to accuse you of having a poor posture, you'd probably laugh at them like, seriously, are we talking about posture right now? And yet it's one of those kind of silent things that have the ability to really change things. And I believe what God was showing me was that spiritually our, our, our posture, and, and, and this is what you want to write down if you have the ability, our words, our, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds are like the makeup of our spiritual posture. Creflo Dollar, if you listen to him, and I, I always find some way to slip something he says into any time I'm talking. And one thing that I've never forgotten that he says is he says, every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. Can you say that with me? Every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. And I believe that our spiritual posture, just like we have a natural posture, and it's, in, and it's under the control, it's under our control to actually decide how to be, Right? Well, we have a spiritual posture that's comprised of our thought life. It's comprised of the words that we speak, and it's comprised of the things that we do. And what happens is, just like, 
you know, if you think about a second baseman or a, or a shortstop, you know, I mean, I didn't play a lot of ball, but I played a little bit when I was a kid. And, and, and you know, obviously one thing they tell you when you're fielding is you've got to play with your knees bent, right? I'm right on that rod, right? I'm not making this up. Okay. So, so you've you got to bend your knees, and why do you do that? You bend them so you can go this way or go this way, you know, in a moment's notice. You don't stand there all stiff and regimented. You don't stand there like this. I mean, that would look like me playing left field, you know, when I was a kid. Kind of like, oh, God, please don't hit the ball to me. Please don't hit the ball to me. <laughs> Didn't know yet that music was my thing. Fortunately, that happened later. But how many of you know in the natural, there's a posture that's a, it's a readiness position, right? It's a ready position for the things. Well, spiritually, there's a posture that says, I'm ready for the things that God has for me. I'm ready to be who God's called me to be. I'm ready for whatever the devil tries to throw against me. I'm ready with an offensive attack, you know? And so tonight, I feel like he was showing me these three areas. And these three areas, for the large part of you, are not really new things. They're really just, again, kind of back to basics things. But I guarantee, if you're like me, they're not things that we've thought about enough. Because if we thought about, you know, they have an incredibly, uh, incredible ability to change the way that things happen. So first, I want to talk about words or, or thoughts tonight. I want to talk about thoughts because everything in your life begins with a thought. Did you know that? You know, as many times you say, well, I didn't mean to do that, or I didn't think, you know, to do that, but that's not really true. We, everything that we do begins with a thought, you know, it begins with brain activity, which trigger muscle, you know, muscle activity. And, and so what we have to do is we have to spend some considerable time on our thought life. And if you're like me, we don't do enough of that. In my opinion, we just don't. We, we, we deal with all kinds of situations that happen on a daily day basis, but many times I'll, I'll, I'll figure out, why am I so miserable all of a sudden? And then I'll realize my thought life is terrible. And like Pastor Bill said, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, who is that person? Uh, you know, and, and so there's, there, we have to minister to our thought life. And so what I want to share with you are just a couple of scriptures that, um, that address this, and I believe that they'll really help you tonight. Um, it says that um, keep your heart with all diligence. This is Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. If you want to know why your situation is the way it is, it has a lot to do with the condition of your heart, because out of your heart springs the issues of life. Maybe not the things that are happening to you, but the way that you're responding to the things that are happening in your life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his heart, how many, we don't want to admit that, do we? We don't want to admit that we are the sum total of our thought life. But we are, because our thoughts become that center from which our life operates in. If you want to change your life, change what you're thinking about. And the great news is we can change what we're thinking about. You absolutely have authority and the ability in your life to focus on the things that you think of. What overcomes a poor thought life? Faith. Faith overcomes a poor thought life. And how do we get faith? Romans says by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So if you want to change your thought life, you, you kind of have to get calibrated. You know what that term means? When you, when you calibrate something, when you calibrate a machine, you take it back to center. You take it back to whatever, the factory default, or you take it back to what, you know, one equals one equals one, you know? And I think many times we have to recalibrate. Many times we become so influenced by our culture. We become so influenced by the things on the news. We become so influenced by the problems and the situations around us that we just begin to kind of adopt this type of thinking just to kind of keep everyone happy and to make sense of everything. But the, but the word of God should be the measure of our thought life. The word of God is what brings faith, and faith is what changes a poor thought life. So if you want to think differently, allow the word of God to build faith on the inside of you. The intake of the word of God in prayer are critical to forming your posture. 
I mean, in the natural realm, if, I, if we want to fix our posture, we do just what we did. We take a big breath and we, st- you know, we put our head back and that's what we do. In the spirit realm, if you want to increase your posture, you need to increase your prayer life and you need to increase the intake of the word of God because faith is, is, is what will change the way that you think. How many of you know when you have a vision, when you have a hope, when you have a future about something, it changes the way that you look at things. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, then when setbacks come, they're just, they're just things to get over. But if you have no dream, then a setback is a wall, isn't it? It's just like a dead end. And, and that's not the way the Lord sees it. Hebrews 11 is our, you know, one of the most famous scriptures on faith. And it says, Hebrews 11, 1 and 3 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things unseen. We, we focus on that. But if you go on to verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God framed the world. Everything that we know about, God framed it with his words. God, everything that God has for you in your life, God has framed with words. He has put the word of God into your hands to literally frame your life. When you build a building, you start with a foundation. And once you build that foundation and you settle on that foundation, then that foundation determines the boundaries of that building. That building will not be any bigger than the foundation. And it will not change unless you lay a new foundation and add an addition. The word of God, if it's the foundation of our life, then it becomes the deciding factor. It becomes the measure of the boundaries of our life. See, if your foundation is your education, then you're always going to just look for jobs that are... that that someone would hire you with your qualifications, right? If, if health, you know, if your foundation is your, your genealogy, then you might be one of those people that says, well, you know, my dad and my grandfather, my great-grandfather, they all died of heart disease when they were 79. So, you know, I'm probably going to die. I mean, I mean, have you heard people talk like that before? I mean, this is where people live. They say, oh, we got a lot of, we got a lot of this disease in our family, or, we, you know, we're, or, or in, the, in the mental health realm, oh, we're always a bunch of worriers, you know. Everybody in our family is a worrier, and I, I hear that one a lot, and that's so destructive in people's lives. But it says to, to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Our heart is like a well that you draw water from. And how many of you know whether you, whether you do intend to or not, you're going to go to that well. When life pressures you, when you feel like you're in a season of drought, when you need answers, you go to instinctively your well. And if your well is not healthy, if your well is bitter, if your well is, is, is not according to the word of God, then everything that you draw out of that well is going to be tainted with those things. Have you ever known anybody like that where just every decision they went to reach for was just like polluted because the word of God had not changed them on the inside of them? But out of the heart flows the issues of life. And so that's why we need to minister to our thought life. And only the word of God is qualified to set the bar on your life. That was the term I kept hearing, set the bar. Say that with me, set the bar. The word of God, because God designs you. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You were knit in your mother's womb. He knows the plans and purpose for you to give you a future and hope. I mean, God really does know those things about you. Even if you don't know them, he knows them about you. And he has set a high bar in your life. He has, like a proud parent, he has incredible, uh, just incredible plans and dreams for you. And he has set the bar really high, much higher than we set for ourselves. But he knows that the only thing will, that will bring us to that bar is the word of God in a healthy thought life. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, right, so is he. You can never go beyond 
what you're thinking because faith starts with your thought life, your actions start with the thought life, and so it's just so incredibly important. The Bible says that in 2 Corinthians, we need to cast down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. I was thinking about our, I was watching a thing the other day on our currency and how amazing the U.S. dollar is and all the different security measures that not only they in place, they put in place, but then they continually change all the time to make sure that they can boast that less than 1% of our money is counterfeited, they believe. And uh, one of the things that I thought was so neat that maybe you've seen before is they have a thread that runs through most of the dollar bills, if not all of them. It's a thread and it's got writing on it and all kinds of stuff, but it's a plastic strip that goes through it you don't see that until you hold it to the light. And what I found with our thought life is many times you, the enemy's throwing thoughts at us all the time. If, you, if you're one of those people that feel bad about yourself because you have bad thoughts all the time, you need to stop because you need to realize who your enemy is. Your enemy, the only authority he has is kind of in that thought realm. He just has the ability. You know, he's the God of this world. I mean, you know, and, and he has the ability to operate in that natural realm through thoughts. And how many of you know you're walking down the street and everything's okay, and all of a sudden he tells you, you know what, you don't have enough money. You know what, you should have more money by the time you're this. Or you know what, you, you haven't been promoted enough in your career. You know what, your kids aren't serving God and they probably never will. You know what, your job is a dead end. You're ne- there's no room for promotion. Or you know what, you're never going to get a job because the econ- you begin to take these thoughts. And you know what? If we're not wise, the thoughts always have a a basis of truth in them. Like, yes, there's some challenges in our economy. Or, yes, you don't currently have a job. Or, yes, you don't currently have enough education for the job maybe you're believing for. And so what happens is we kind of hook on to that truth a little bit. We kind of begin to go down. We entertain the thought. And next thing you know, we're, like, embracing the thought. And the next thing you know, it's like we've just wrote it on our forehead, and this is who I am. I'm, I'm Corey, and I'm going nowhere. You know, according to all of my situations that the enemy has reminded me about. But what happens is the Bible says we need to capture every thought. And, and if it uses that terminology because I think it's just that violent in the way that we have to do it. You literally got to take that thing out of the air and say, no, I'm not believing this thought about myself. I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to believe that I, you know, have the mind of Christ. I'm going to believe that I'm the head, not the tail. I'm going to believe that I'm his righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, regardless of how much I've messed up today. You know, we begin to capture those things. And just like the dollar bill, if you want to know if a thought is fake, hold it up to the light of the, God, of the word of God. And you begin to see that thread. And that thread is covenant. You know, we have a great covenant class called Bible Covenants. And if you're praying about VBI, you need to consider taking Pastor Pam's Bible Covenants class. And the book is The Scarlet Thread. And, it, and the scarlet thread is like a metaphor uh, for the covenants and the fact that all throughout our Bible, it's like this scarlet thread that reminds us about the blood of Jesus. Everything that we have, every promise that we're able to have is because it was secured by the blood of the Jesus. And so when we hold a thought up in the air, we need to look for that thread. We need to look and say, is this a thought that that bears a resemblance to my covenant? Or is this just the enemy trying to steal my covenant? And if you capture every thought and you hold it to the light of the word, God will give you revelation on the things you're thinking and he'll begin to change it. Many times I encourage people to just take five minutes and write down you know, the things that they're thinking. And, and they begin to write down. And if you're going through some stuff, probably not doesn't take very long before you got 10 or 20 things that, you know, you're afraid about, your, your kids or your, your money or your, your health or, or just how am I going to get this deadline or how am I going to, you know. And, 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 and so then what I encourage people to do is just to take, those, take the word then for an hour and just find, you know, an antidote 
for every worry. Find out where the word says that he's given you the ability to increase. You know, find the place in the word where he says that he bore, you know, your sickness on the tree and that you don't have to just have a banner of sickness over you for the rest of your life, that you can claim his healing. And then what happens is those little verses that you pick for every thought, they become your ammunition. They become your ability to capture a thought when it comes. And so it's so incredibly important to just take authority of our thought life. And again, the way that you do it is by reading the word, opening your heart to the word of God, and praying, asking God to show you the word, communicating with God. Prayer is not just a list of demands. Prayer is communicating with God, and any communication goes both ways for it to be successful communication. Talk to God in your language. You know, tell him how you feel. He knows everything about you. There's nothing hidden. So just begin to share with him the things that you're dealing with and invite him to bring you solutions and give you direction. So from your, thir- from your thoughts then, develop your words. And how many of you know as believers, we have authority because of the name of Jesus? You know, we have the authority to literally call in the name of Jesus and be saved. We have the ability to stand on the word and speak it and declare it. And because of that authority though, there's kind of a kicker to it. And the kicker is, is that your words also have authority in the negative realm. You know, in, growing up, you always thought that zero was the bottom of the numerical chain. And then infinity was, you know, the right end of the numerical chain. And then once you got into more advanced math classes, you found out that zero was only the middle. That negative numbers went back. And I think in our words, what we don't realize is we're all about speaking healing when we're believing for healing. And then we're forgetting about speaking like, man, I never find a parking space cool when I come shopping, you know. Man, I never, you know, just every time things get busy, I get sick, you know. And we forget that our words have authority in the negative realm just as much as they do. In the, and so what happens is if you want to have, if you want to analyze the words you're speaking, you have to go back to the things that you've been thinking about. And because again, all those issues come out of your heart, you know, what you've been meditating on. So your words, let's talk about words for just a second. Charles Caps, I have this really old book that I love to read every now and then called Releasing the Ability of God. And Charles Caps said in this book that your words are the spirit of your faith. I had to think about that for a minute. What does it mean by the spirit of your faith, the spirit of your faith? But I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like that power of God that is uh, available to us. When Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was what came and indwelled on the inside of us. And it's the part that causes you to have a posture. It gives you that support system to stand up tall and be who he's called you to be. And I realized if you use the word spirit like power, your words are the power of your faith. Faith begins with a thought, but then it becomes, it comes out of you. And remember the Bible said it's not what comes in a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man. Why is that? It's because our words have power. And you know that. And many of you, this is a refresher, but I challenge you to stop for a minute in your lives and just think about, what have I been thinking about lately? What What are the last things that I've been saying about, especially the things that I'm troubled with or the things that are, you know, I'm up against? How have I been speaking about those situations? I had to catch myself a couple of times this week, just saying things that really truly, if any of one of you heard me say, you'd say, are you, is that really what you want? Or is that just, you know, and no, absolutely not. It's not what I want. I had a friend who, you know, is a really close friend of mine and God bless him, but man, he's, you know, just so negative sometimes. And he does it in a really kind of funny way, like not in a, you know, not like a Debbie Downer kind of way, but (laughs) But he's, he calls himself a, um, what does he call? I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And so his, his realism strikes from the fact that as I look back on the history of my life, this has always happened when I did this, and so therefore I'm just going to say it whether it's negative or not. And he's just happy to say that I'm speaking something that's 
factual and will probably happen. I just thought, man, is that ever messed up, you know? But, but that's many times how people are. They just, they just speak what they feel. They just speak what they've seen before. But if you want things to be different, you, be, you need to start doing things different. And so our words, it says in James 1.26 that I love this one. This is not one that I always think about words. And when I found this, it was like, oh, kind of pierced me. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, and by religious, let's just say flowing in the things of God, not having a spirit of religion, uh, you know, but, but just to be flowing with the things of God. If it, this is 126. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Wow, right? I mean, did you hear that? If you don't bridle your tongue and, you, and in the process you deceive your own heart because you're speaking things that really aren't in agreement with God, so you're, bringing, you're allowing deception into your life, and then it says that on top of it, everything you're believing and doing and going to church three times a week and all those things, useless. Why is it useless? Because those things aren't important? No, because you're undermining those things with every word that comes out of your mouth. You know, you, you say, I'm a born-again Christian, and I love Jesus, and man, I'm going to heaven someday, and yeah, yeah, and the promises are yes and amen, and, and we sing these songs, you know, and I'm going to another level, and then we walk out of here and we say, man, that stupid car I got to drive, and man, this thing breaks down every month, and I'm paying more on it than I would if I just had a new car and I was making payments, and <laughs> that came out really easy. <laughs> Okay, if you want a better car, start treating your car like it's a Mercedes. I mean, vacuum that thing, wash that thing, put premium gas in it, thank God for it, because God says with, you know, if you're faithful in a few things, he'll make you, uh, so I'm preaching to myself now. James 3, we better get out of there quick. James 3 says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. They are also are so large, and they're driven by fierce winds, and they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Pilot, you know, we have the ability to decide the direction that we're heading in. And, and it's so important that we understand that the words that come out of our mouth are just like that bridle. And, you know, in a horse, if you want to make the horse, you just pull on the left side, and they've just got to go that way. That's just how they're programmed, you know. And so we need to see our words as having that kind of influence. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What I'm trying to show you here is that there is an undeniable connection between what you think and then what the words that you come. I mean, you can't help it. How many of you know sometimes just the wrong words come out and you find out that they're actually pretty accurate barometer of what's going on in your heart? And you say, man, I, I didn't mean to say that. And, and, but you did because... Because you've been meditating that thought all week long. How could you not have it say, you know? And uh, it can be dangerous. And so uh, Mark 11 says, again, I'm just giving you some foundational scriptures here. Mark 11:22 says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, notice says, right? Whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have, say that with me, he will have whatever he says. Somebody say, ouch. He will have whatever he says. How many of you have been speaking things this week that you truthfully do not want, but they've come out of your mouth nonetheless? And so we need to, we need to really take you know, authority over the things that we think and the words that we speak because what you don't realize is the authority that we have, the creative power that God has put on the inside of us through the name of Jesus gives us the authority to bind and loose, meaning that we can either use it for good 
or we can use it for bad. Because here's the reality. Hebrews talks about this. God has sent his ministering angels. God didn't create angels to be dressed up in little Victorian outfits and be on your calendar. He didn't create them to hang from your, you know, rear view mirror. He didn't, you know, create them to be, you know, drawn on your sermon notes. He created them to accomplish the things that he has. He said that he sent ministering spirits into this earth to do the work of those chosen, of the, the, the heirs of salvation. Any heirs of salvation here tonight? How many of you are inheriting salvation? So we're heirs of salvation. So when that Bible verse says in Hebrews that they are uh, doing the work on behalf of the heirs of salvation, that means that when we speak, we're not commanding them, but when they speak, when we speak, they're right there acting whether we know it or not, they're there accomplishing. God has sent them in this earth to accomplish the things that we have. And, and the problem is, is there's also demonic activity in the earth, which also is waiting on your word. And, and because of the authority that you have, they are jumping all over the opportunity to say, absolutely, you have cancer in your family. Absolutely, you're going to have cancer. You know what I mean? They're right there going, yes, yes, yes. Why? Because they hate you? Yeah, no, because they want to stop the will of God in this earth. And God has a plan for you. His word has framed an amazing plan. He has, he has laid a foundation for your life that is an absolute mansion. I mean, it's disgusting how awesome it is. You know what I mean? And yet, either our, our problem is twofold. Either we don't see it and we don't get it, or we get a glimpse of it, and then we try to build the house. And what does the Bible say about that? You labor in vain, which means it's not going to happen. At the end of the day, when your work is done, it's going to pale in comparison to what God has for you. So let's determine, you know, let's determine that we're going to think the thoughts that God thinks about us, that we're going to begin to speak the things that he says about us, and that we're going to lean on and press into the word of God to build the house that's called our life. Amen? When we speak, this is what's happening. When we speak, the, the, we use the word confession. I think a lot of times new people come to the church and they think confession, you think like in the Catholic sense, like I went to confession on Friday and I confessed my sins. But the, the Greek word for confession means to declare something. So we confess the word of God, not just because we're saying it, but we are declaring it. How many of you know when you are a voice of authority and you declare something, it happens. When the president declares something, it happens, right? When an ambassador declares something, it happens because of the authority that they have. When we speak, we declare with our words because God hears us because we're in covenant with him. And so you need to understand that when you confess the word of God, you're not just making yourself feel better, although you will feel better. You're not just doing what a good Christian ought to do, although that is truly what a good Christian ought to do. But what you're doing is you're declaring and you're, and you're, and you're unloosing those things that God wants to do in the earth, but he's waiting for you to do it because we're his hands and feet. How many of you know? He could have done it a different way, but he chose to work through us. And so he's waiting on us to release through our mouth the things that he wants to do in this earth. Just, let's just practice for a second. Father, thank you that I'm the head and not the tail. Thank you that you're the author and the finisher of my faith. Thank you that you're there at the beginning and you're there all the way to the end in my life. Thank you that your promises are yes and amen in my life. Lord, I love you, and I receive everything you have for me. See, what we just did, you just released something in the spiritual realm. When you said those words, ministering angels begin to get stirred up and say, yes. And, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God and saying, look, the word is coming back. The word that we sent forth into the earth is coming back. And it's not going to return void because we are sending the anointing to accomplish that thing. 
that's what your words do. You want to change your life? Change your words. And the great thing about words and thoughts is they kind of, sometimes when you can't change your thought life, you need to start with your words. You know, sometimes just simply speaking something, eventually, you know, they say the phrase, fake it until you make it, you know? It's not actually a bad concept because sometimes you just have to speak what you're believing for and sometimes your emotions catch up. And other times it's the other way around. And then the last thing that we end up with is our actions. Every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. Our seed is this posture. Our posture is this anticipation of what's going to happen. If you're posturing to play ball, then you're like this and you got your mitt and you're ready to go. If you're posturing to bat, then you've got your bat up and you're ready. You're waiting. You're ready, waiting for the next step, and you already in your mind know what the next step is going to be. That's being postured for something. If you believe that God's doing great things in your life, then you're postured with the Word of God. You're, you've got the, you know, the, the shield of faith and, and, and the helmet of salvation, and you've got all those things ready because you're anticipating the move of God that's about to happen in your life, and you don't want to miss a single second of it. Every good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. That's what it says in Matthew 12. It's just inevitable that out of the treasure of your heart, you're going to bring things that are in the like character of the things you've been meditating on. How many of you say, man, I don't know why I keep doing this stupid thing. I don't know why I keep repeating the sin or I, or I keep saying this thing or I just keep messing this relationship up. Stop trying to correct your behavior. Go back to what you're thinking. Go back to the words that you're speaking and then believe. You know, the, the Bible says that if you put the word of God on the inside of you, then it won't return void. And it says that the Holy Spirit will bring the word back to your remember. That's why it's so important that you be in the word because you don't know what's about to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to squeeze and press on you tomorrow. And it better be the word of God that comes out because that's the only thing that's going to cause you to keep moving forward in victory. Amen. Here's some different ways. I don't, I don't think I have to spend a lot of time on deeds because I think we all know once you have, you know, dealt with your thought life, once you begin to speak, then God shows you what to do. You don't need me to give you 10 bullet points. You know what to do. How many of us know right now what we need to do about certain issues and we just haven't simply done it for whatever reason, you know? And, uh, you know, worshiping is a deed. I mean, worshiping is not just singing songs, but worshiping is just, again, it's a posture. The posture of a worshiper is like anticipating what God's going to say. God put, you know, in that battle uh, with Jehoshaphat, we've been talking about it so much this month. He put the praisers out on the front. Why? Because they were postured to hear from God. They were postured to be sensitive to how God was leading. And they had faith stirred up in them because they were worshipers. And they spent all of their time just reflecting on who God is. If you want to change what you're thinking, reflect on, on who God is and not how, who you are. Reflect on how great God is on the inside of you. Worshiping, you're giving. Your giving is a natural expression of what you think and what you speak. Ask yourself financially, are you giving like the Lord showed you to do? Ask yourself in your life, are you ready to give? Um, I, I was just with a friend. Uh, with, I was actually just with Mark Hassett the other night, and, and he was, I, was I, I didn't maybe say anything in the moment, but I was, it really struck me. You were saying, uh, he was giving me some stuff out of the garden, and I was getting ready to leave, and he, says, and he said to Laurel, is there anything else we can give him? And that's the, heart of, that's the heart of a giver. You're just thinking, man, this is just, what do I have, what do I have in my hand that I could give right now? That's a, that's a result of being in God's presence because God's a giver, and that rubs off on you. And we need to be like that. If, but if we're not feeling that way, if we're not feeling like serving, if we're not feeling like getting involved in an area of ministry because we just, ah, just I'm not feeling it, you know? You've got to ask yourself, what are you thinking about? What are you praying about? What are you speaking in your life? Because all those things affect the actions that come out of you. Forgiveness, will be, I mean, I could just go on and on and on. But I just want to tell you tonight that, that your posture spiritually is so crucial 
to being who God's called you to be. He's not asking you to manufacture what you're supposed to be. There's a big difference. I think sometimes we think, okay, I just got to figure this out. He's called me to do this, and I just got to figure out how to do it. And if I just, you know, pray standing on my head, and, and if I just go to church 20 times, and if I do this and this, and then maybe he's saying, no, 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 I just need you to plug into who I am. Everything that you need to be who he's called you to be, he has, but you've got to make, you've got to draw on who he is. And so our spiritual posture is just comprised of what we're thinking, what we're speaking, and what we're doing. And all of those things have a critical role in us being in position to respond to how God's leading us or to resist. Remember how we talked in the very beginning about that? How you just, you begin to the point where you're just like, oh, please don't use me. Please don't ask me to do that. Please don't ask me to do one more thing, God. That's not a posture of a person who's going to the next level. That's someone who just wants to stay still and watch everybody else pass by and eventually feel bad because they realize they could have been out here. Don't, don't be like that person. Be like Jerry in the video. Stand up taller and find out that God is so much bigger on the inside of you than you realize. In our just last couple of minutes, Allie, if you can come and play, and I just want to pray for you. And I really believe, I mean, I have to believe that many of us in this room tonight are going through this because I don't think God would have me talk about it if not so but how many of you and just let's go ahead and just shut our eyes bow our heads and as we pray and kind of seal this word on the inside of us how many of you just by a show of quick hand would just say i know in my life that my posture is is lousy i mean my posture is just yeah i mean already it just hands it and you say man i just haven't been either doing what i know i should do or i just haven't been feeling it anymore like i used to feel it or I'm on the defense all the time. I'm just hoping the enemy leaves me alone today. Let me see again a show of hands. How many of you know that some things need to be calibrated? Just like you go to a chiropractor to get things kind of working back in conjunction. Yeah, I see your hands. Well, let's pray tonight. And uh, I really do, if you would, if you take a bold step, I just want you to come up to the front. I want to lay hands on you and I want to pray for you tonight because I believe this word on posture, I believe what God wants to do he, he just wants to breathe his life into you and he wants to cause you to stand up straight again. Come on down. Don't miss this moment. I know it's hard. Nobody ever wants to come and be, but I'm telling you, don't miss what God's about to do because I really do believe his anointing is here. Tonight is a night to straighten up and I don't mean just getting your act together. I mean standing straight, believing that God will breathe new life into you and cause you to have strength and endurance again. And before I pray for this group, is there anybody here tonight who, who doesn't know the Lord? I mean, it's, you don't have to be ashamed to say it. You just need to say, hey, I need to know Jesus. And I don't need to know about him. I mean, know him. Like, you know he lives on the inside of you. Amen. Anybody else? Any other hands? So the Bible says that if we, if we believe in our heart, there, there we go again, believing, right? We believe in our heart. And then what happens is that belief translates into the words of our mouth. We begin to confess, like the Bible says, to declare. So when you confess Jesus as the Son of God, you're declaring that the work that he did for you, you're receiving, and you want to be known by that. Anybody else beside my brother down here? Anybody else doesn't know Jesus, wants to make, take care of it tonight? He died on the cross to take the weight of our sin. It's like he knew we would mess up and he knows that we will continue to mess up. So Christianity is not about doing all the right things. Christianity is about being right because of what Jesus did. And um, I just want to pray for you, brother. What's your name? We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org 
or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.